0: All right, everyone, welcome to Brandon at Random Reviews. I am your host, Brandon Griffiths. Thank you for stopping by. I do appreciate it. Today on the show, I want to cover a little movie called It's Kind of a Funny Story, released on October 8th, 2010, based on the book of the same name by Ned Vizzini, written and directed by. Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck, and they made a movie called Sugar that I only know exists because I came across it on HBO one time, and I didn't watch it, but I just I saw like I was looking through the app and I saw that it was an available movie and it seemed interesting. They also did the movie Mississippi Grind with Ryan Reynolds and Ben Mendelsohn, and I've been meaning to watch this one. It's not like overwhelmingly positive reviews, but it's Pretty solid reviews, honestly, and I'd just like to check it out and see what it's all about. Last but not least, they did Captain Marvel, which stars Brie Larson, and that's a Marvel movie, Marvel Cinematic Universe. That one's pretty good. I liked it. I didn't think it was as good as a lot of other Marvel movies, but it wasn't as bad as some of the more recent Marvel movies, so there's that. For the producers, we have Kevin Misher and Ben Browning, and for the score, we have composer Broken Social Scene, which is a band that has had 6 to 19 members, depending on what point in time it was and their timeline, and a major note is that they had quite a few songs on the Scott Pilgrim vs. the World soundtrack, a movie that was previously covered on this podcast, by the way. The actual soundtrack to this movie is pretty fucking great, too. I think there's a lot of great songs here, and I I really love when I hear that in a movie where it's just like, what the fuck is this? I like this a lot. So, for the cast, we have Keir Gilchrist, who plays Craig Gilner, and the only other movie I know of that he was in is called It Follows, and it's one that I've been meaning to check out. I've just never gotten around to it. So, next up, we have Emma Roberts, who I have noted here is hot, and she plays Noel, and she was in the movie Blow, and until I looked it up and saw that that was on her filmography, I had no fucking idea she was in that movie. She was in We're the Millers with Jason Sudeikis, Jennifer Aniston, and Adam Warlock. I can't remember his name at the moment, so he's the guy that's going to play Adam Warlock. Uh, that one's a solid comedy, a lot of great bits in it. I, I It's not like perfect or anything, but it's 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 pretty funny. She was in a movie called Little Italy with Hayden Christensen. And let me just tell you, that movie was so bad. The only reason I know about it is because How Did This Get Made did a podcast episode on that movie and talked about it. It's like it wants to be a romantic comedy, but it's for the purposes of how did this get made, it's a great choice for for their show because it's like it's so bad, it's good. You know, it's it's so it's bad enough that it's it's still enjoyable. It's not like it's self-aware or anything. And then she was in a bunch of the iterations of the TV series, American Horror Story. I've never seen any of these ones. And I, I either haven't heard anything about them or I've heard them. I've heard people say that they like them. And they're usually people that, like, we don't have the same taste, so I, like, haven't even taken a shot at them. And then we have Zach Galifianakis, who plays Bobby. He was in The Hangover movies. The first one is very good. Heard the second one was terrible, so I never saw it. And then, obviously, the third one. Why the fuck am I going to bother with the third one if I haven't seen the second one? That's the way it goes. He was in Out Cold with Jeremy? Jason? London? I don't know. One of those two twins. Is in that movie with him. He's the protagonist, and Zach Galifianakis is quite a uh, minor character. I mean, not totally a cameo or something, but like just not as big of a role as a as a lead. He has a comedy interview show called Between Two Ferns. It ran for a very brief time. It was like a season or two worth of episodes. And it's, it's basically just him interviewing celebrities and he's, he's doing it like a serious, like inside the actor's studio setup, but it's, he's asking them these ridiculous, funny questions and it's all very deadpan and serious. And if you watch the show, which I, I would recommend, it's, it's pretty solid. Go back and check out the blooper reel. There are some some of the funniest fucking bloopers I've ever seen. It was also in Due Date with Robert Downey Jr., and I haven't seen that in a really long time. I think that one is like, they're trying to get RDJ to his wife where she's giving birth or something like that, and they're racing against time and all that stuff. And we have Viola Davis, who plays Dr. Minerva in... Obviously, her most critically acclaimed role was in the 2016 classic Suicide Squad, previously covered on this podcast. She is one of the few people in the world to be able to say that she has accomplished the EGOT, which is winning an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony as a, a single person, like just uh, you know. So originally that started with Philip Michael Thomas, who was on the show Miami Vice, and he was discussing some of his ambitions with his career. And I didn't look in to see if he ever got it, but it's it's usually like people who are musicians that win it. The Emmy portion of it, like I don't know what she won an Emmy for. I didn't realize she was a a singer, but uh, and it could have been instrumentation. I don't know. Anyway, it was also popularized on the show 30 Rock, the concept of this EGOT thing. Tracy Morgan's character buys like he gets really into the idea of this EGOT and he like buys a chain that says EGOT on it. And it's just it's fucking hilarious. I mean, I love 30 Rock and I know it's not for everybody, but I fucking love it. Then we have Zoe Kravitz, who is also hot, little young in this movie for me. Same with Emma Roberts. She's, you know. Zoe Kravitz is uh she plays Nia and she was in X men First Class, which is a pretty solid x men movie It's a uh, like an origin movie. I think I've talked about it recently, so I won't go too crazy and she was in the Batman as Selena Kyle from twenty twenty two that one solid movie it's I've found over time that it's just like I'm not as into it as I have been previous Batman movies, not that it wasn't good but it didn't have the rewatchability for me like it was kind of like it, it, it's just like a very long fucking movie it's a lot to sit through and it's just there's zero like flashiness at all and like i i want to i don't need it to be like super flashy but i want a little flashy in my batman not not like flashing i, I want to make that clear i'm not saying flashing cuz that that'd be way too difficult for him Uh, with that suit and all that shit. Anyway, and she was also in the Divergent movies, and let me tell you, I don't know that I've ever heard anybody tell me anything one way or another about these movies. I've maybe heard that they're not very good. I I have no desire to see them. Let me know if I'm wrong. I could probably watch the first one and engage my interest for the rest of them. I assume I won't like them, though. Then we have Lauren Graham, who is also hot and she plays Craig's mom and she is most popularly known for her role on the Gilmore girls as Lorelai Gilmore and she it, that show is very funny it's it's a good story it's it's really enjoyable i've only ever watched it when my mom or sister were watching it so i've never like voluntarily started from scratch and like Episode one, season one just went through that way. So I can't really speak to the whole series and how satisfying everything is. But what I've seen has been really amusing. And then we have Jim Gaffigan, last but not least. And he plays Craig's dad. And he's most famous for his stand-up comedy. He has done a lot of comedy specials. And I actually saw him with a friend in Grand Rapids just before the pandemic hit. And it was a great show. It was a fucking packed arena. And it was just a really good time. And I I love his humor. And for the plot synopsis, after deciding against taking his own life, a teenager checks into a psychiatric ward of a hospital where he meets many interesting people. And for the tagline, it is, sometimes what's in your head isn't as crazy as you think. Okay, so I want to do a little disclaimer uh, before I start diving right into the plot of this fucking movie, I wanted to share some things about me that I'm probably gonna fucking regret sharing and putting on the internet for everyone to know about, but... So I've had suicidal depression for a large portion of my life. Um, the suicidal thoughts started when I was about 12 years old, and gradually it got, it's gotten worse and everything since then. It was pretty minor to start off. It was just like a here and there kind of thing. So I truly don't like anything about myself, and I the like the animosity I have toward myself is so deeply rooted. It's like it's ingrained in what like who I am as a person. Being around people only reminds me of what I am not and what I don't have. And those thoughts just kind of snowball and they become more thoughts of Wanting to be dead, things like that. So I've been on dozens of meds, and most of them have done little to nothing to improve the suicidal ideations or depression, if they didn't even, you know, a lot of them make it worse. I mean, more of them make it worse than make it any better. So because of the meds not working, doctors have also tried treating me for type 2 bipolar depression, which I was surprised by because the commonly known type of bipolar depression is much more extreme, and I didn't really think I fit the bill. I'm also, I, it's just, I mean, that's the thing. is It's like, apparently, this the type 2 is, like, a little milder. It's like, yeah, like, if if somebody has bipolar, like, full-on bipolar type 1, they're probably, you're probably gonna know that about them, but... I guess type two, maybe I kind of fit it, I don't know. So I'm also very susceptible to side effects from these medications. One side effect actually put me in the hospital for about a month and almost killed me. Uh, I've had two short stays in psych wards. Uh, First one was when I was in college and I was first getting treated for these mental health issues and it had been a long time coming. and that was it was a it was a it was in Marquette, Michigan, so like it was a very small facility like it was uh th- it was a ward inside a hospital like a lot of these are but it was just it didn't have all of the resources that you might expect a big hospital to have and that's just kind of the way it is. The other time was a couple years ago I was in the psych ward in Lansing and Uh, I I went in, I, I had just been having a lot of stress going on with work and things like that, and it was like I was freaking out about not knowing what to do to fix everything that I was worried about. So currently, the unpleasant thoughts that I have about myself are so persistent that it has very much become the norm for me versus the more normal thoughts, and I keep thinking about how it'll never get better because of how ingrained in me these feelings are with what my mentality is it's like i see the way i am looking at it now and it's like the way i am having such a hard time changing anything about the way i look at things i i, I don't i don't see how i like i i can't find a good medication i can't find a a way to tackle it i can be told how i should tackle it but it's like i can't get my brain to get there basically. I also don't share many of these details or I haven't up to this point shared many details about my mental health with people outside of my immediate family because of a number of reasons. I don't I don't want to tell everybody what's going on with me because I don't want them to feel like they have to be my counselor. I don't want them to feel like they they like I'm whining to them or like they need it doesn't make sense to me to share. Like, and it's just private stuff. You know, you don't want everybody in the world to know what you've got going on unless you're me right now saying this stuff out loud. Anyway, this film is not an Oscar worthy movie because fuck the Oscars, but I find it very enjoyable and relatable for what will be very obvious reasons. Let's just dive right into the plot of this fucking movie. So I've never heard anybody else even mention this movie and I don't know how well known it is. Our protagonist, Craig, is biking to the middle of a bridge and scales this metal structure above the road, and he walks on a beam over the cars and sees a vision of his family who humorously makes him feel like shit for what he's doing and how he's doing it. He decides not to do it and goes to check into the hospital. While waiting, Craig is visited by a man named Bobby in scrubs and a white coat, and it's not clear if Bobby's a doctor at this point. We're just kind of left guessing. So Craig is being processed by a doctor and is getting asked about what he has going on and if anything triggered the brush with suicide that he had. The doctor says that he doesn't think that Craig is a danger to himself and wants to refer him to an outpatient psychiatrist. And Craig pleads with a doctor that he just, he needs help now. And... He's in bad enough shape that he's just, he's got to be in the psych ward. So it's at this point that I was relating pretty heavily. It's like you go in there and you're thinking to yourself like, oh yeah, they can help me and I'm going to be right here. They're going to be monitoring me. But it's not. It's, I mean, it's like you go in there and it's like, if you're trying to get your meds right or something, that anybody who's ever been on mental health meds, especially like some of the standard ones that everybody knows about, not the new ones. It's like, it's a very long process adjusting to meds and, you know, finding that sweet spot, even like for some people to get just stable, not even like improving to just get to the point where they're not dangerous or whatever. That's just kind of, yeah, that's the way it is. So, uh, The doctor breaks down and decides to admit him. And when you check into these places, they take anything you have that could be used to do harm to anyone, including yourself. They have like, so it's like they take his shoelaces, they take his belt, things like that. But like also in these places, they have uh, like the last one I was in. I can't remember the first one, but like the last one I was in. They had like these these bendy pens that like wouldn't hold form like they'd hold a little bit of form enough that you could kind of write with them, but they were a pain in the ass to write with it was very unpleasant. And so and then they'd have like sawed off colored pencils and things like that. It was it's not a good scenario. So Craig is told that he'll be in the adult ward as the teen area is currently being renovated. And he's starting to freak out as there are a lot of patients from all across the mental health spectrum here. And that's super fucking unnerving. To use a, a term, I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but wild cards. Like you don't know at all what their story is. You don't know what might set them off. And it's it's more so than obviously like in, in any normal day that you'd run into somebody, it's like this person could have, you know, just like a huge breakdown or, you know, lose their shit or whatever. And it freaks you the right the fuck out. Bobby reappears in plain clothes and is revealed to be a patient and gives Craig a tour. There's just so much awful shit going on in these places. I can't stress it enough. So Craig sees a girl named Noelle drawing. And man, I had such a crush on Emma Roberts when I first saw this. And I had never seen her before. Come to find out that she's Julia Roberts' niece. And, you know, luckily she got her attractive genes from somebody else. I'm sorry, Julia Roberts. That was uncalled for. But it's absolutely how I feel. So reality is setting in and Craig finds Dr. Minerva and tries to convince her to let him leave. And she sees on his chart that he's suicidal. And she's like, no dice. All right. When I was last in one of these places, it was post-COVID. So I couldn't have visitors, and it made everything that much more unpleasant. It's like, I don't even visit with people that much in real life, but like, when you don't see any familiar faces for that long of a period of time, and you're just catching up with all these people, like, finding out what their story is, seeing if they're a lunatic you don't want to be around, or if they're a cool enough person. So Craig sits down with Dr. Minerva for a session, and she talks about support systems and being able to talk openly with someone. And that's probably the worst part for me. I don't really get much benefit from the talking. I've tried different kinds of therapists that are more hands-on, less hands-on. None of it seems to fucking work for me and I I it's unfortunate. So, we hear through voiceover during a small sequence of clips of the types of anxiety and insecurity Craig has that yeah, he's just super worried especially about this school that he's trying to get into. It's like the school that starts in the summer and it's going to help him with getting into a good college and all these other things. And there's a lot of pressure from the people around him to get into that school. But he doesn't share that stuff with Dr. Minerva. That's just, I guess for the audience, he didn't spit that out when she's like fucking asking him about this shit, which I I get it, man. That's, it's not fun to just fucking share everything you kind of want to. You feel you feel weird sharing shit sometimes. So at breakfast, Bobby causes a scene when Craig gives away his food to someone when they ask him if they can have his food. And it's like, basically, yeah, Craig voluntarily gave it up, but it was kind of like this awkward position where it's like he probably felt a little obligated to give it up. It's revealed at group therapy that Bobby has some sort of interview that he's worried about and he doesn't have a shirt to wear for it. And it's to, to get into this home because basically like if by a certain day, like a day or two later, if Bobby doesn't get into this home, he is going to be homeless. Like he's not going to have anywhere to go. So Craig offers to lend Bobby one of his dad's shirts and Bobby reluctantly accepts. Craig has a big fucking crush on this girl, Nia, that he goes to school with, and is it, she's in his friend circle, and she's actually dating his best friend, Aaron, and he talks with Nia about their mental health situations on the phone and getting treated, and Craig is hiding that he's in a psych ward but Nia can like hear stuff going on, the, on in the background and she senses that something is amiss. As Craig is on the phone, Noel walks by and drops him a note to meet later at a bench or whatever in the hallway. So Craig helps Bobby practice for his interview and he coaches him through kind of how he needs to handle it. And it's just like he he gives him, he's probably too nice actually, but he like gives him constructive feedback about like, the positives of like what what it would do for you if you got into the home and things like that. So then he meets Noel on the bench and they chat back and forth for a little bit. And in my experience at these places, I never met anyone who looked like fucking Emma Roberts. Are you kidding me? Later, everyone is at an art group and they try and have regular activities in these places to keep people from isolating, keep their brains working, things like that. I should probably mention he keeps imagining these sequences in his head, like he was in the session with Doctor Minerva earlier. And it's it's got just the right comedy for this kind of movie. And like it's almost akin to on like if you ever seen the show Scrubs, JD, the main character played by Zach Braff, constantly is like letting his mind wander, and he's like imagining these things. It's not quite like that, but it's. It's the same same concept. So we get the ultra-realistic phone conversation where his best friend gaslights Craig about what he has going on based on pretty minimal information. It's He's basically just like, nothing seemed wrong with you. All of a sudden, you're in a psych ward. I think you're making a big deal out of nothing. It's like, yeah, fuck yourself. A lot of people seem to think that they know what you're going through and act like it's not a big deal and the solutions are easy. It's important to remember when you're talking to anybody, I don't even mean in regard to mental health, everybody is different. Everybody handles things differently. Everybody experiences pain in a different way or at a different level of severity. Essentially, you you just, you don't know. You know what I mean? It's like, for instance, it's just, it's the same exact way as like, with me, it's like I have taken like two dozen mental health meds like over the last like twelve years or so, maybe more. Most of them have not worked and worked, and a lot of them have given me really bad side effects. And those same medications I've talked to other people who are like, Oh, I take that, it just it does wonders for me. You know, so it's like that's that's how different we all are as people. If everybody got the side effects the same way. A lot of the meds probably wouldn't even be on the fucking, if everybody was going to get some of these things, like there's no way they could even market it. Craig basically just tells Aaron off because Aaron's just being a dick. And then we see Bobby go through a series of tough moments, like being yelled at by his baby mama and not doing well in his interview. And Bobby flips out and starts fucking up bookshelves when he's talking to Craig. Craig talks to Dr. Minerva about his reaction to Bobby's meltdown and they talk about a time when Craig was happy. She tells him about the serenity prayer, and Craig shares the trouble that he's had with his dad. His dad just is way too married to his job he's he doesn't seem to get like how how what he's doing is causing problems for Craig and like hurting his emotional state so. They keep talking about this point system. Like, all these patients are talking about, like, you get two points for eating. You get this amount of points for this. You lose this many points for for doing that. And all of it is to try and encourage good behavior. There's this whole cool imaginary sequence where they play under pressure by David Bowie and Queen. And all the patients are dressed up in, like, rock star outfits. And they're all you know, playing different instruments or doing vocals. And so Craig is doing the Freddie Mercury thing. And Bobby, I think, is doing the David Bowie thing. And it's it's actually a really cool sequence. It kind of reignited my love for Under Pressure by Queen. It, it's pretty fucking great. So Craig is starting to loosen up. And him and Noel are definitely into each other from what little we see. Bobby and Craig go play some basketball and have a little heart to heart there. And it's revealed that Bobby has attempted suicide six times, and he gives Craig the whole, you've got so much going for you, how could you be sad thing? Which I was kind of hoping to not hear that from somebody in Bobby's position, because it's like, he should not be the guy asking that question. It's like, I, I got to be honest with you, like, it's not, think, if you think about it, it's like, is it really a helpful thing to say, to basically just say like, hey man, how about I just uh, make you feel silly for feeling feelings that you clearly can't make yourself stop having voluntarily? Nia surprises Craig later on by visiting him and tells him that her and A.A. Ron broke up, and she makes it pretty clear that she's putting the moves on him. Like, I mean, she's probably wearing what a normal high school girl would wear, but it's like, she didn't, like, cover herself up. Like, she's going to a fucking psych ward. I would think, like, you'd probably want to wear more modest clothes, but she doesn't. And she's, like, talking about how much they have in common with each other and blah, blah, blah. So they they end up, you know, one thing leads to another. And, you know, it's very clear that Craig wants this to happen really bad, and he's liked her for a really long time. They go to Craig's room, and they they get on his roommate's bed. and. They're, like, just kind of, like, fucking grinding on each other and shit. They're not, like, really having sex. And it's, like, the roommate walks in, and the roommate is not a super personable kind of guy, and he flips out about them fucking on his bed, which they're not. But he breaks it up, and then, like, Craig's stress vomits on the fucking floor next to the bed, and Nia gets up all freaked out and fucking walks out of the room and she's just going down the fucking hallway. Craig calls out to Nia and tells her that he loves her, and it's such a classic moment of desperation. You hate to see that. Nia makes some generic deflective remark to Craig, and it's just kind of like wishing him well, basically, and like she just walks out. And then we see this very well-executed shot of Craig's face, and then the focus shifts from his face to who turns out to be behind him, Noelle, who saw what just happened with him telling Nia that he loved her. And this really bothers her for a number of reasons, because she kind of thought that they had a thing too. So Craig's really batting a thousand on this last like two minutes. He's just really doing a lot of good things, I guess. Noelle is obviously very upset. She's like locked in a room, which by the way... You can't lock yourself in your room at a psych ward. That's not a thing. Uh, They don't let you have locking doors. They don't let you have any of that shit. They need to be able to get to you right away. So as she's upset behind this door and Craig's trying to talk to her, she's like passing notes to him under the door. And it's like the cliche, Craig, you're in love with the wrong person kind of thing. You shouldn't be into Nia. You should be into Noel. I 100% agree for a number of reasons. Mostly that it's pretty clear that Nia is not, like, somebody that Craig should be. De- like, personality-wise, I don't see why they would work together. So the next day, Bobby comes to tell Craig that he got into the home that he interviewed for. So Bobby tells Craig that he would hate to see Craig in his shoes when he gets to be his age. Like, he's he says something about, like, seeing his daughter for her 8th birthday when he's in a fucking psych ward. Like, he just doesn't want that for Craig. He drops the Bob Dylan quote, he not busy being born is busy dying from one of my all-time favorite songs, It's All Right, Ma, I'm Only Bleeding. Bobby passes it off as, like, a saying that he came up with, and so it kind of, like, he Craig tries to use the quote later and act like, you know, he knew it, like, from somebody who thought it up, and they're like, no you fucking don't Bob Dylan said that. Craig later goes to great lengths to make amends with Noel and there's a lot of roaming free by the psych ward patients and other parts of the hospital in this movie especially by like Craig and Bobby and Noel are all just running all over the fucking place just carefree and it's like that's not happening like they they fucking confine everybody in that ward to where they can confine them. And then they, that way they have a controlled area where they they don't have to worry about people getting into stuff or, you know, doing things like that. So after some running around, Craig and Noel end up on the roof and Noel asks Craig why he never asked her some of the more personal stuff about her. Like she's like a, what they call a cutter, like somebody who self-harms and she's got like cuts on her cheek and things like that. And she just wants to know, like, why didn't Craig actually ask any of these things about what was going on with her? And he essentially just tells her he figured that she would tell him when she was ready to tell him. And that's, like, 100% the best way to approach that. Like, you don't... Especially in that scenario, it's like you don't want to be fucking just poking and prodding at people asking them what their deal is. So Craig beats around the bush asking Noelle out and Noelle just straight up asks him out and sees if he wants to go to a concert because they have similar tastes in music. She helps Craig realize that if some of the things in his life upset him so much, then he should try a new approach or try... A different direction. This movie does have a bitchin soundtrack. I will say that. Like I notice it repeatedly throughout this movie. How fucking great the soundtrack was. So Bobby and Craig exchange information and kind of say their goodbyes. And they have a pizza party and everyone's happy. They play the intro to the song B by rapper/slash actor Common. And it has this solid Kanye West beat. I don't know what the sample is from. There's a nice little sequence of Craig sharing what he did to turn his life around. It's it's pretty wholesome. Uh, I, I would say, like, there's one part I don't want to not mention. It's like, the end of the movie, Craig's, like, ch- checking out of this psych ward. And he, like, wants to go say goodbye to Bobby. And Bobby, like, had already left early in the morning. And it's like, what, what? Like, I mean, I get, like, it makes sense. Like, if Bobby doesn't have any say over when that happens and he wants to say goodbye, but he can't, I get it. It's just, it's it's weird. I mean, it is what it is, I guess. So we roll credits and I gotta say, praise for this movie. I fucking love the idea of this movie, what it's all about. It has a really good message. The writing is pretty solid and obviously the soundtrack, but like the one thing I will say against it is like, I would say it's a little, I understand that this is the purpose and this is the perspective. I'm sure of the novel. We only really see things from Craig's point of view. And I think it could have really enriched this movie to not just see things from Craig's perspective. If we could have gotten, okay, what's really being said in this interview of Bobby's or with this interaction with his his ex-wife or whoever it is, what's going on with Noelle because she's barely around. And it would, just, it would have been something. I don't know that that's really a fair criticism because if you're telling the story like that from one point of view and you're giving glimpses, that's probably as good as you're going to get. So only a little bit of trivia today. The novel this movie is based on was inspired by author Ned Vizzini's own brief hospitalization, for depression in November of 2004. In 2013, Vizzini committed suicide at the age of 32 by jumping off the roof of the building where his parents lived in Brooklyn. And that... It's... It's fucking disgusting. I mean, like... Because it's like, you see this, and it's like that... Presumably, this was in at least... uh, semi-autobiographical movie this was not um it's clearly meant a lot to ned vizzini and was it was very real for him and to just to hear because i mean this movie got made in 2010 and so it's like he it, it just it goes to show you that like the the whole money can't buy you happiness it's like just because, you know, he had a successful book, he had a successful movie deal, that doesn't mean that it's, like, everything's what you want it to be. So, so I mean, I, I hate to hear, like, when I read that, I was pretty upset, because honestly, like, this movie ends on such a happy note, and to find out that the guy who wrote it took his own life is very upsetting. Um, So for IMDb Nuggets, uh, when Craig and Noel are running through the hospital hallways, it's an ode to the movie The Breakfast Club, previously covered on this podcast. And well, I mean, my thing with that is it's like, okay, is that a fucking verifiable fact? Did somebody from this movie confirm that? Yes, that was definitely from The Breakfast Club. It's just people running down hallways. It's not like owned by John Hughes. Thank you very much. Okay, so, in the scene where the patients play instruments, Zach Galifianakis picks up the piano. In real life, he plays piano during his comedy acts. Okay, that's super interesting. It's not really, like, trivia. that I don't know. Maybe maybe that's interesting to somebody. I don't know. I was grasping the straws for something to talk about in these trivia things, so... Okay, so on to info and ratings. We have a runtime of 101 minutes. This movie is rated PG 13 by the Motion Picture Association of America. Budget, 8 million. Opening weekend, 2 million. Worldwide gross, 6.5 million. IMDb rating, 7.1. Rotten Tomato Critics score, 58%. Rotten Tomato Audience score, 65%. Personal rating, 4.5 Four point five out of five stars. They're it's not like the perfect movie. I but I just hold it near and dear to my heart. I'd probably rank it a little lower, but still in the good territories. I, I just I really enjoy it and it's very it's very important to me as a topic, um as I have previously mentioned several times. I guess i I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't close out this episode by Just saying, if you're out there and you're going through whatever you're going through, big or small, get help for it. I know I don't necessarily have like a glowing review of the mental health process. I don't, I I haven't had a lot of success with it and it hasn't had a great impact for me in a positive way, but it's like, it's one of those things where it's like, if there's, if it's possible that there is a treatment out there for you that would work, it's not going to be, it's it's only going to be a very, a fairly small amount of your time. I'm not saying, I'm not saying everybody's perfect. I'm just saying, get help and, and look into it. Maybe get an allergy test before you get it, but I don't know how those allergy tests work. I just... I don't even know if it would have caught it in my case, but, um, yeah. So, I mean, so, so, you know, seek professional help. Do, do not, you can talk to your friends and family and things like that, but ultimately you want to talk to somebody whose job it is to do that because they are probably going to have a better, uh, base of knowledge than the average person you're going to talk to. All right, everyone. Well, I hope you have a good rest of your day. Bye now.